All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, chapter 8. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 8 through 11 tonight. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. The title of the message tonight is Better Than Rubies. Better Than Rubies. We'll talk to you about wealth tonight. Wealth. We'll be a prosperity gospel preacher tonight. <clears throat> when I say the word wealth, what comes to your mind? Yes, sir? Riches? Riches? Yeah, that's, that's right. I think of Brother Shepherd. That's when I think of wealth. But for most of you people who do not understand the status of Brother Shepherd's economic prowess, maybe you think of money in your savings account, or your money in your 401k, maybe you think of real estate, or precious metals, gold, silver. But is that true wealth? Is that true riches? What is the biblical and true definition of wealth? What does it mean to be wealthy? What are true riches in the eyes of God? And tonight we're going to be learning about the riches of God's Word. The riches of God's Word. <clears throat> if you are holding a Bible in your hands tonight, you are holding a gold mine in your hand of eternal value. Now, I didn't say you were holding gold in your hand. I said you're holding a gold mine. I started to entitle this Mining the Word because the Bible has to be mined. You can't just hold it and say, I'm rich. You have to mine the truth out of it by careful study Faith in what you hear in personal application in your life. And when you do that, you're a very wealthy person indeed. In verse 8 tonight, speaking of His words, God says, verse 8, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Now, when we think of God's word, we usually think of it in the terms of being unchanging, being powerful. I would say more than anything else, we usually think of it in the terms of being true. Truth. Very, very important. But God didn't say all the words of my mouth are true. He didn't say that tonight. Now, they are true. All the words of God's mouth are true, but that's not what God is focusing on. That's not what He's focusing our mind on here in this verse. He's giving us a different perspective tonight. He says, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. If you like underscoring anything, underscore that little phrase there, in righteousness. They're not merely spoken in truth. They're not merely 
uh, telling you uh, enlightening uh, facts, but they're spoken also in righteousness. Did you know that you can speak something in truth without speaking it in righteousness? You can. We have a couple of school teachers in our church. Uh, and uh, some uh, one is watching at least tonight. I don't know if Miss Pam is watching tonight with her husband, but I know Miss Megan is because she is the one that gave the praise about Sister Elizabeth being here and seeing her. And Miss Megan's a school teacher. And I want you to suppose for a moment that Megan Newman was teaching class one day, and you you boys and you kids out there. Y'all know something about getting taught in class, whether it's at home or in school. Let's suppose Sister Megan was teaching class one day, and, and a little boy raised his hand to ask her a question. Miss Newman, Miss Newman. And sweet Megan, with that sweet smile that she has, that sweet innocent smile, she looks that little boy in the eye, and he asks her the question, and when she responds, after he asks the question, she says, That's a really dumb question. You're not very smart, are you? You know, what she said may be absolutely true. It may be a dumb question. He may not be a very smart kid. It, it may be spoken in truth, but it would be terribly cruel for her to say. So it may be true... But she didn't say it in righteousness, did she? It would be harmful to that little boy. It would be cruel to that little boy. And that's one of the beautiful things about God's Word. Every word from His mouth in the Bible you hold in your hand is not only spoken in truth. It's spoken in righteousness. It is not only spoken in truth, but it is spoken out of the pure, loving, sacrificial kindness of God's heart. Every single word. Even the warnings, Brother Richard, when he's warning about pouring out his wrath and all he's going to do that you've been preaching on the book of Hosea. Every single word. You go to the doctor and the doctor tells you, hey, you're going to lose 50, 75 pounds or you're not going to live another 15, 20 years. You're going to have a heart attack. It's going to kill you. If the doctor cares, what he says is not fun to hear. You'd much rather him say, hey, go eat whatever you want to. Man, you're, you're doing great on the charts. Your blood work's fantastic. But if he cares about you, He's going to tell you the truth. And when God warns us, and when He gives us those heavy words, He does it because He loves us. He cares about us. He doesn't want us to suffer the heart attack, if you would. But everything that God says in His Word is spoken in righteousness with a loving, sacrificial heart. Everything God says to us in the Bible, He says to us for our good. Every word. Never, ever has God given a commandment with an ulterior motive. You know, you can have parents 
who can give their kids commandments and make rules, and the parents will have ulterior motives. Parents can say, well, you need to do A, B, C, and D, and make it sound like that commandment is best for that child, but really it's best for the parent and not for the child. Say, oh, Brother Richard, how can that be? I'll tell you. I'll give you some example. I'll give you one good example. There was a family that I, I knew years ago, and uh, it was a, a mom, a dad, a daughter, and a son. The daughter uh, became a, a pianist on the keyboard. <clears throat> they taught the son how to play the guitar. And they would go from church to church and they would sing. They were a singing family. And singing families are a great idea if you don't plan on working very long. Do you know why? Because the daughter and son are going to grow up. And if you're going and you're singing for an offering, you know, a love offering at a church, and you're going to these small churches, because if you're just a family like that and you're not that good, and they weren't that good, um, if you're just a family like that and you're just singing, uh, you know, you're not going to command a great audience or you're not going to have a great offering. So you're, you're going from church to church, putting the miles on your vehicle. You got just enough to live off of from church to church when those kids get older that money won't spread around for them to have independent lives in their own homes and their own families and children it just won't go that far and so what did the family do I remember the son talking to me one time he knew I was uh, in law enforcement he came up to me privately after church and he said uh, you know I would like to be in law enforcement he wanted to get some career advice well I gave it to him Well, my career advice and daddy's career advice were two different things. Daddy put the guilt trip on him and the guilt trip on the daughter and said, what y'all need to do is stay here with the group. Keep the ministry going. Well, who are they ministering to? You know, doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to leave the father and mother and the man cleaving to his wife? So he was giving him a commandment, you know, put in the guilt trip that the ministry, you put the ministry first and you put the Lord first. Well, you can't put the Lord first by disobeying the Lord's word. He's not leaving and cleaving. He's forever the little boy that's going to play the guitar and sing and never be able to be a man and have a wife and the kids. So the boy grew up to be a man. Eventually the, the young man decided, okay, dad, uh, it's time for me to grow up and be a man, and, and I need to get my own way of making a living. And, and so he left, and, and the, the mom and the dad got very upset at that son. And so you can give a commandment, or, or, or like you're giving wisdom to a child, and make it look like it's really in their best interest, but you're going to have an ulterior motive. It's really a selfish thing that you say. But everything that you have in God's Word, everything God tells you to do, it's done in righteousness. There is no ulterior motive. It's always with your best interest in mind. And I tell you what, I'm glad it's true. 
but I'm super glad that it's in righteousness too. That I know everything I read, I can count on the fact that it's going to be best for me. Speaking of God's Word, Solomon said, look back in your text, there is nothing forward or perverse in them. There's nothing forward or perverse in the Word of God. When God speaks, there is no hidden agenda. Now, you tell me something. When you, when you hear the federal government get up there and talk about how we need to cut out all of the greenhouse gases and how we need to get rid of the, the, uh, the uh, uh, gas stoves and how we need to um, get rid of our gas automobiles and we need to go all electric everything and make more solar panels and more batteries and all that stuff. Is anyone else like me when you hear that? Do you sit there and think, you know, I think there's an ulterior motive. I think this guy's really get, getting rich off China. And, I, and, and we're sending jobs over there. I'm sitting there. Is this really in my best interest here? Anyone else think that way? You have to if you, if, if you just think things through. So when you hear the leadership's words and you think, man, there's something perverse in here. There's something, there's some corruption going on in here. Then you're probably right. But when God speaks... There is no hidden agenda. When God speaks, there is no underhanded, selfish plot. What freedom that is for us to read God's Word and not have to have in the back of our minds, what's He trying to get out of me now? You remember what the devil did with Eve. Isn't it amazing how you can go back to Genesis with everything? The devil said... Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Do you know what he was doing? He was telling Eve, God has an ulterior motive in that commandment. What he's really trying to do is to make sure you never achieve the level that he's at. He's trying to keep you down here. That, that was the first complaint of the glass ceiling, Right? And, and, and chauvinism and everything. The first complaint, the man's trying to keep you down, is what the devil told her. There's an ulterior motive in that. Don't think he really told you that for your own good. He's doing it for his own good. He's selfish. He was trying to tell her the words of God's mouth, that there is something forward and perverse in them. But when God speaks, there's no hidden agenda. There's no underhanded, selfish plot. When God speaks, it is never to trick us. It is never to deprive us. It is never to demean us in any way. How many of you have ever been given advice by someone before? And you know, the advice that you were given, it sounded like it was advice meant to help you. But really, it was advice meant to help the person giving it to you. Y'all ever received advice like that before? Did you find out before or after it was that way, Miss uh, uh, Brittany? Huh? Both? Yeah. Anyone find out after? You didn't know till after? It's curious. 
when we're reading the Proverbs, we're getting commands, but we're, also, we're, we're, getting, we're getting commands in the form of advice. God's saying, don't do this. This will hurt you. We're getting this good, solid, paternal advice coming from Solomon here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, people can make it sound like it's best for you, but they are really trying to talk you into something that will benefit them. God doesn't do that. We're talking about the God who gave His only begotten Son. We're talking about the God who became flesh and left His throne. We're talking about the God who has suffered with the human race for all these thousands of years, allowing them to curse Him, criticize Him, belittle Him, and crucify His own Son. Because He's patient and kind and long-suffering. That's the kind of God we have. But you know, that's the risk that you take any time you take advice from another person. You always have to weigh it out. You always have to investigate that advice. You always have to maybe go get a second opinion, get on the internet, whatever. But there is a place that you can go to, that I can go to for advice, where there is nothing forward or perverse in the advice that we are given. There is a place that we can go to where we know that the person that we're talking to, the person that we're listening to, gives us advice because He truly loves us. He truly knows what's best for us. And best of all, it's not like going to an old person and getting advice and thinking, ah, maybe that would have worked back in Grandpa's time, but I'm not sure it'll work today. Or maybe they have good intentions, but they don't have the best knowledge. They're not the best expert on this subject. When you go to God's Word, you can always know that not only are you taking advice from someone who truly loves you, but you can take advice from someone whose words will be the finest advice you'll ever hear. That's the Bible. That's the beauty of God's Word. And when God speaks, He doesn't speak so as to confuse us, but He speaks so as to enlighten us. <clears throat> His words are strange to those who don't know Him. They're, they're crazy. They're fairy tales to those who don't know Him. But, verse 9, they are all plain to him that understandeth. Man, I like that. Which means they're not plain to those who don't understand. There's some people who, because of their unbelief in God, they have rejected the basis of divine understanding. They just don't have it. They just don't get it. The world hears what we have to say, and they think we're crazy. The world hears what we have to say and they think that we're naive and uneducated people who are uh, uh, stuck back in the Stone Age. When they hear the Scriptures, you know what they think? They hear the Scriptures. Now, when we hear the Scriptures, 
I have people come up to me all the time say, oh, brother, that was such a blessing. Now, you know when God's Word says A, B, C, and D right here, and, and it just means so much to them. When I hear it, it means so much to me. And I can think on God's Word and how it encourages my heart and gives me something to stand on in this world, gives me light to walk by in this world. But when they hear the Scriptures, all they hear is a bunch of hate, bigotry, and fairy tales. But they do this because on account of their rebellious hearts, the eyes of their understanding have not been opened. They're not plain. The words are not plain to them as they are to us. To us, it's plain. I mean, I read the Bible and I think, man, that makes so much sense. This makes so much sense. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That makes so much sense. But to those of us who understand God's words are plain, the word plain means what? Wide open. You go into the woods, you're in the forest. You go out into a wide open field, you're on the what? You're on the plain. And so the word plain means wide open. The truth, the genuineness, and the benefits of God's counsel to us who understand are plain to see. So plain to see. I look at it and I think, how can anybody reject this? How can anybody not see the foolishness I was talking to someone the other day. I was asking an old man at work, one of my co-workers. I said, Denny, what are you going to do? Because we're hiring some new people at work. I said, Denny, what are you going to do if they hire a fellow here at work and he identifies as a woman and he tells you that he prefers to be called he and she, I mean she and her, he prefers to be called by those feminine pronouns. My daughter Grace, what made me think of it, my daughter Grace got a job in, uh, 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 what's that called, Tammy? Yeah, personnel uh, in, in, uh, in payroll and benefits. They're at, at a place in Tyler. In her first day at work, they asked her what her preferred pronouns were. <sighs> What a way to start it off, you know. They said, well, we have to ask that now. Well, no, you don't have to ask that. I'm never going to ask any of y'all that, by the way. <laughs> but I asked Denny, now, what would you do, Denny, if we hired a man, but he identified as a woman, would you call him by his preferred pronouns? He said, nope, not going to do it. And I said, that's right. Because if they pretend, if they want to pretend that they're a woman or a man, that doesn't mean I have to pretend too. I'm not, I, I'm not like pretending. I'm real. And so when I look at the Bible, and it talks about it being an abomination, about a man putting on the apparel of a woman, that's in Deuteronomy 22.5, and the woman putting on the apparel of a man, that's an abomination to God in the Bible. And they go dressing up, trying to pretend like something that they're not. And I think 
that makes so much sense. It's so plain to me. But when they see it, it's hateful, it's rude, it's Stone Age. But they're plain to us. Look back, not only are they plain to us, look back in the text, and write to them that find knowledge. They're right, which, which means, you know, you've heard of a right angle. So when you think of right here, think of straight. Straight as an arrow words. The Bible makes good sense to anyone who has good sense. I'm going to repeat that again. The Bible makes good sense to anyone who has good sense. People who find the knowledge of God will recognize that His words are straight and right. Wisdom, therefore, tells us in verse 10, Receive my instruction and not silver. You want to be rich. You want to be wealthy. Here's what you do. You receive my instruction and not silver. Now, the Bible is not telling us to not receive silver. I've got some silver at the house. Just one of these things I bought just in case the world goes crazy and I think I need some precious metal to barter with or something. I may never need it. I probably won't. But the Bible's not telling us to not receive silver as if it's some kind of sin to possess monetary wealth in this world. It's not. But it is telling us that when given the choice, when comparison between, if I had to choose between the two, what is genuine wealth? When given the choice between silver and the instruction of God, you better choose God's Word every time. It's far better to be instructed by the Word than to be enriched by the world. It is far better to be instructed by the Word than to be enriched by the world. Scripture will make you rich toward God. Silver will make you rich toward the earth that God made. And then the world comes to an end. Solomon said, choose instruction rather than silver, look back in the text, and knowledge rather than choice gold. The finest, most purest gold in the world can't make you a better person. I mean, you can, you can just pile it up in heaps in your house, have a big old safe, have all the gold in the world. Can't make you a better person. Gold, all the gold you can, you can store can't, buy you a ticket into heaven, can't gain you eternal life. Gold can't fill your heart with joy. It cannot. Gold can't get you any closer to God. Get all the money you want to, it won't bring you that much closer to God. In fact, it will probably take you much closer away. Jesus said, that it's hard for a, a rich man to enter in, into heaven. Why? Because he ends up putting his trust, his love, his affection and devotion on mammon or on money. Contrary to what the economists tell you, silver and gold value is not going up. It's going down guaranteed. Silver and gold will soon be worthless when this world comes to an end. But the value of wisdom will be eternal. There are millions in hell today who had 
an abundance of wealth when they lived on this earth. But it's of no use to them now. So don't seek it. So we should pursue the wisdom of God's words, verse 11, as we begin to close. For wisdom is better than rubies. Adrian Rogers once said, if you want to know how wealthy you are, then add up everything money can't buy and death can't take away. And what's left over is how wealthy you truly are. Think about that just a moment. What do you have that money can't buy and death can't take away? That covers almost everything in this life, doesn't it? But if you know the Lord, you have some things that money can't buy and that death can't take away, and you're going to keep forever. That's your true wealth. <clears throat> Here pretty soon, uh, when we go to uh, uh, up north to have our, uh, our service with the online members, I'm going to rent a car. And, uh, but I'm going to go up there knowing that the time I have that car is coming to an end, I'm going to turn it back in. That's the way it is with your wealth in this world that's what it is with your loved ones in this world you only have them for a time it's on loan from God and it's all going back I was considering my life the other day and I thought to myself I can't imagine anybody being happier than I am right now that's, that's, that's a really big thing to, to think to yourself isn't it I can't imagine anybody being happier that I am right now. I mean, you think, but I'm going to live forever. Man, that's something right there. I am going to live forever. Why? Because of wisdom. The wisdom of the gospel. The wisdom of the cross. It's what the Apostle Paul calls the cross. The wisdom of God. My wife and I have the best marriage in the whole world. Why? Because I'm such a great guy. Because she's such a great Because of wisdom. Because of wisdom. Because of the wisdom of God's Word that tells her what she's supposed to be as a, as a, as a spouse. And what I'm supposed to be as a spouse, as a man, and her as a woman. What our roles are. What true happiness is as a, in a husband and wife, that we join together in Christ Jesus and that He loves me through her and He loves her through me. It's wisdom from God's Word that gives me that. I am genuinely loved by people who genuinely love me in Jesus Christ. I believe y'all love me in Jesus Christ. Well, y'all don't know me well enough yet, but I know I'm loved. Y'all been through thick and thin with me, and you've stuck by me. Y'all been a good church to me. I know that I am genuinely loved by people in the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of wisdom. Wisdom is far better than rubies. The things that make me the happy, joyful man that I am all came about by wisdom. Look back in your text. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared unto it. Anything that you can look and say, well, I want that Xbox over there. I want that house over there. I want that new big Bronco over there. I want A, B, C, and D. I want more chickens. Whatever. All the things that you could desire. 
can't be compared to wisdom. One day, when I worked for the state, I went to a beautiful mansion. And when I say mansion, I don't mean a big house. I mean a mansion. I mean, you drive up, and that house is way back up there on the hill. And you pull up these big old gates, and you mash a button, you speak to somebody, and they decide whether or not those gates are like that. And you go up, that thing is huge. Well, tell them how much that house and land costs. And while I was in that mansion, there to arrest the man's son, who I never saw. I'm sure he found out later that I left with his son. But as I was in the house, overheard the owner of that mansion talking with his family downstairs. And that man was very unhappy in his life circumstances. It was clear he was very, very depressed. Very troubled over his money situation. Very troubled that his children kept coming back to him over and over again with their hand out. His family was in a mess. Son was on drugs. He had money. But his life was filled with misery, drama, heartache, sorrow. Why? Because of a lack of wisdom in the home. That's why. He had rubies. And there he was weeping over them. Truly, the words of God are far better than the rubies of this world. Man, I'm glad I have a Bible. Mine it and put that gold in your eternal pockets. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. God, how wonderful to stroll with our feet across the, the hills and the valleys and the, the pasture of your Bible as Jesus takes us in and out and gives us pasture leads us beside the cool waters, restores our soul all with the wisdom of your words. Your wisdom keeps us sane, keeps our head on straight, gives us hope for the future, gives us understanding of the past, has taken us from a miry clay, Father, and set our feet upon a rock. Lord, help us to crave, to mine, and to deposit the wisdom of your word, as by faith we accept and obey your precious word. Line by line we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, I pray again for every prayer request, Father, that was made tonight. I pray, dear Lord God, for every person here tonight, you'll take them back home safely and bring them back, Lord willing, Sunday. Be with Brother Gabriel as he's out of town and bring him back. And Brother James, Lord, as they're on the road. Uh, hauling their freight and bring them back safely to God's house. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name.